0: Ladies, pardon us. Can I just introduce myself? Darren Lamb, agent to the TV actor Andy Millman, star of the sitcom When the Wind Blows. Whistle. Whistle, thank you. And uh, do you remember this guy? It's only Barry off EastEnders. Hello. Oh, yeah. How's it going? Not so good, actually. Things aren't aren't quite panning out. Let's not talk about that now, man. Let's not bring the mood down down, now. a couple of sorts like this are up for it. What do you mean, up for it? What, you're out and about, you know, no guys with you, you meet a couple of players like us, ships in the night, let's get down to business. Who wants Barry off EastEnders? Um, neither of us. All right, Barry, you're out in the cold, mate. A story of me life, you know. A mm-hmm. house was repossessed last let's week. Let's not bring us. the mood That's down, the you're ruining it again. I'm still in the frame. Who wants Barry to walk home, while the other one comes home with me? Neither of us. OK. Final scenario, listen to this, right? Neither of you are interested in Barry, so obviously I choose the fit one. No disrespect to you. Uh, We all go back to mine. Uh, Barry keeps you talking whilst you and I get down to it. It will take, I swear to God, 10 minutes max. I can get everything done in that time. Then you get a cab fare home, anywhere you want to go, uh, up to, say, a maximum value of 15 pounds. Or you could walk home, pocket the cash. You've made a sweet, sweet profit, so it's up to you. No. No? All right, Barry, forget it, mate. Always know when to cut your losses.
1: Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. And today we're talking about movies and we're not taking it too seriously, not too seriously. (laughs) It
2: is a lighthearted affair.
1: It is a lighthearted affair. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for showing up. Thank you for for wading through the 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 ocean of takes. Thank
1: you for sitting down and listening. Yeah,
2: (laughs) you've made it. You've made it to the other side of the Chris Rock, Will Smith debacle. Oh, You've survived. I was going to say you've st- made it out the other end. Yeah, statist- today is Monday <laughs> and nobody's talking about it anymore.
1: I would hope. I hope. But I was going to say statistically. But it's
2: Monday, so I know already.
1: You listener are a white man. Yes. So you've done your due diligence and you've sat down. You've listened.
2: <laughs> you've sat your white ass down and <laughs> listened to the Generation lost podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and we want to thank you for that.
2: This is called doing the work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this episode, as well as all episodes, are subtitled. Doing the work, yes, and they
2: also <laughs> uh, are recorded on stolen land, uh huh, of the Algonquin people. Is that true? I believe so. Yeah, they're
1: uh, the the Algonquins. Are the, the Algonquins ones who were owned definitely the... on
2: Long Island. I believe they were in Manhattan as well.
1: Oh, cool, that's neat.
2: But I mean, well, we're not in Manhattan. We're in we're in Brooklyn. Oh, so right. So this so would Al- have probably been the Algonquins. Algonquin. Yeah. If they Algonquin. weren't the Algonquin, they would have been the Iroquois, but I believe the Iroquois start a little further upstate.
1: Algonquin sounds like a fucking weatherman on like on the news. <laughs> this is Algonquin. <laughs> yeah, I'm Rebecca Trainer, and we are going to Algonquin for the weather. <laughs> 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 Thanks, and Rebecca. And I'm definitely,
2: I'm definitely not picturing what he's doing. <laughs>
1: I Me mean, neither. I don't know why he would be doing the weather.
2: Don't know. He'd be doing the weather exactly like a respectable person.
1: Yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Not at the, all. The weather is not. what... And also, we don't know anything about the historical uh, lineage of the stealing of land. No. I guess uh, Jeremy knows something about. I mean, the I know
2: a little bit. Of, I know a little bit about the native people of Long Island just right. for having grown up there, and
1: what I think we should do is give it back to the people who now own, uh, you know, real exactly. estate companies, but are also exactly <laughs> we
2: must we must give Long Island back to the Poospatuck and the Montauk people.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they'll make casinos. They've been or selling
2: me cheap cigarettes for my whole life,
1: <laughs> and yeah. I would
2: love them to own Long Island. I,
1: we may have talked about this. What is the um, cheapest you ever got cigarettes in New York City?
2: in New York City proper, there was a bodega next to the old Experiments Comedy Gallery, which was a a small comedy venue that is long gone now. Uh, But there was a bodega over there that would sell you cigarettes, uh, real name brand ones, Camels, Marlboros, for $5 a pack. Ooh,
1: nice. This
2: was as recently as 2017.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um the lowest I ever got was when I lived when I first first moved here mm-hmm. there was a around the corner a place after a couple of weeks of like showing up there every day for packs mm-hmm. um 7 like, Yeah, they were like you want the uh the cheap ones and I was like I don't know what that means and they're like if you give me cash I'll give you 2 or 7 and Oh I was Yeah like, cuz they Great. get them
2: they absolutely 100% get them from the Poospatuck uh reservation out in in Suffolk oh. County, and they bring them in to here, and and they're untaxed. If you look at the bottom, they won't have the whatever the stamp sticker they're yeah. supposed to have. Um, there used to be when I was in college, my first year of college, there was a deal because Camel had just introduced the Camel Wide, which I, don't know I if remember, you remember the those. Wide, the Camel Wides, aka the Cancer Cannon. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they had a deal for those big fat ones so fat i I don't know what the point was (laughs) i mean i loved them they were nice but they (laughs) look very funny in the mouth and they feel good in the fingers Mm -hmm. uh but because they had just introduced them they were doing a two-for-one pack that you would get them in like a. they were folded out like a fucking record (laughs)
1: <laughs> they were attached, oh, oh, they were yeah. attached at the I hip, to, and you'd open re- it like a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would get Turkish silvers like yeah, that. Uh-huh. Remember those?
2: Yeah, that was the camel thing, was every time they introduced a new product, they would do a two for one.
1: I remember um, when I lived in North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, I went to Winston-Salem, is where I went to school. Yeah, And that Salem and Winston are called that because R.J. Reynolds is there. Right. Like, they own that town. Yeah. Um, So you'd go to concert. I remember seeing the Walkman and there was just like, this concert is sponsored by Camel. Mm -hmm. And there would just be people at the door being like, would you like a free pack of cigarettes? Yeah. <laughs> and then just like everybody in the entire venue was smoking indoors. And yeah, it was that
2: like... was uh, Camel Crush was like that for me at the beginning of college too. Was uh, They were just introducing those. I, and that was be, the end of college, I feel like for there'd me. There'd be chicks at parties and whatever who would just be like, you want Camel Crushes? And you're yeah. like, sure, whatever.
1: I, what is it? Ew, why is it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> why is it like this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> why is it menthol for something? What reason?
2: have you done?
1: <laughs> this is a bad idea. Why did you add fucking like the little green balls from the rock and i did i actually did really
2: like the camel crush though because it was the perfect like you could smoke most of it and then get to like the last two drags and be like all right i'll crack it
1: now but i hate that i hate menthol Mm. like i like
2: it when i'm drunk because because you can't really feel anymore when you're that drunk and the menthol (laughs) like helps it kind of like feel like you're smoking again you know, what I'm talking about like oh. you're, you lose like sensitivity in your throat, and so it doesn't feel like you're smoking anymore.
1: Interesting. So you
2: smoke more than you normally would when you're drunk. I feel like you I don't s- get the feeling anymore.
1: I was such a smoker that I was like, if I was outside, I was chain smoking. Sure, yes, so I definitely like- have had that time of my <laughs> life as
2: well. But the point of of the Camel Crush that's great is that like when you're drunk, you can crack them, but you don't want to own a whole pack of Menthols to to just for right. getting drunk.
1: That's true. But I would, I whenever I had crushes, if I ever had to have crushes, I could, felt like I could taste the menthol mm. like slightly. And I would just, yes, like, this absolutely. Sucks. Yes.
2: It always had just the slightest, mm-hmm. the slightest tinge. Anyway, we're
1: absolutely not supposed to talk about cigarettes. Yes. Don't smoke. Don't
2: smoke. It's definitely bad don't for smoke. You. It's bad for you.
1: I think um, it might be good for you, but I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely not it good could, for you. It could be, though. You don't know. I do. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not
2: good for you. Um, and those fucking silver ones, man, those sucked.
1: The Turkish silver? The Turkish silvers? I love They tasted Turkish like silvers. milk. <laughs> mm, I loved all the weird ones, like 50 marble 57, or the t- whatever the brown ones that were like brown marble. Oh yeah. Loved those. Uh I like the milk ones. Turkish Disgusting. silver. Loved those.
2: Disgusting. Repulsive. Camel
1: reds that kind of taste spicy.
2: Yeah, no. Ro- just awful. Oof. Awful stuff. Camel Loved light it. is the one.
1: Fuck lights.
2: Camel light is I the main cigarette. S- I, my
1: main cigarette <laughs> was Lucky Strike until they banned them. Yeah. And then they just brought them back in 2020. Now mm-hmm. I have a pack of them because <laughs> they're so good. They're awful. But, um, they're awful. Camel- Lucky Strike?
2: Camel light wide is the ideal cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> No, but for the rest of my time smoking, it was Winston Regulars.
2: That's awful. Delicious. What is wrong with you? Delicious. This is terrible. Yeah. People don't listen to Bryn's smoking advice. Listen to me. (laughs) Listen to me. Camel lights are the best ones.
0: Ew. That's the
2: cigarette to smoke. You can't forget it. But don't smoke cigarettes because they're bad for you. Right. Winston's are And I haven't smoked a cigarette in like five years. Lucky Strikes tastes delicious.
1: I can't say the same during the pandemic i it was it was i know was i ran into you tough. once
2: you were smoking cloves yeah yeah it's very funny <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. pandemic did weird things to people
1: <laughs> yeah no i'm crazy <laughs> i'm crazy now but anyway that's it we're not talking about cigarettes no more we're this is not the podcast about cigarettes movies It's the podcast about movies it doesn't make so us so what did you watch this week
2: Thank you for asking.
1: You are welcome.
2: First things first, I simply must once again talk about HBO's winning time. Yeah. Uh, the greatest time. show on television, <laughs> the best show on HBO. It is better than Succession. It is better than Righteous Gemstones. Wow. I don't know why more people aren't watching it, so I simply must bang this drum again. It this is week. the
1: winning time podcast. Winning once time again.
2: is the best show. I love it. I love how I'm obsessive glad you're loving it. and like like romantic it is about all the different textures of of the late 70s early 80s transitional period oh yeah like at first i was a little annoyed by the idea of having like three different film qualities but now i get it right there was a moment in the most recent episode which first of all has my favorite depiction of basketball i've ever seen in film uh when they're when they get the you watched the last episode right Mm -hmm. When they get the team together and, and the coach is like, hey, what if we play with uh, two point guards at the same time and whoever has the ball is the point guard? You mean
1: the weird guy is like, go faster, yeah, be yeah, yeah. water.
2: But it's like it's at the end flow. of the episode when he's like, we'll play both of you at the same time and see what the fuck happens. Oh, yeah,
1: whoever has the ball is the point guard. It's the point guard, yeah. <laughs> and, and,
2: and you just watch them fucking, like you watch Magic doing the Magic no looks and whatever. And Incredible like stuff. It just it looks so good. It, yeah. It's such a good, it's a well-directed basketball sequence. That aside, there's a moment in the most recent episode where Magic is like, by the way, I'm going to do a little aside here to tell you about how I play basketball. I love to pass, and I love to share the love, and whatever, and he has this whole monologue about sh- passing yeah, yeah. and how it's important, but it's done over a like Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo meets the fucking uh, Globetrotters ass fucking animated sequence of him passing and also fucking lots of women, <laughs> and... It was at that moment when I saw that that I was like I get it. I understand why there's three different camera t- types. Mm. I understand why they have different film qualities is because this is a show as much about texture as it is about basketball.
1: For sure. It
2: is a show that is all about every like it's it's it, the thing that I could compare it best to is walking through a very beautiful vintage store. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just walking through and seeing all the different like Clothes and tapestries and plates and glasses from the seventies and being like everything looks like the seventies in yeah, here. Yeah,
1: they had like ashtrays with Christmas trees on yeah, them and shit. Exactly.
2: <laughs> like and 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 so the point of winning time is is to just like really just nail down the aesthetic of seventies eighties sleaze and and yeah. and they do so well.
1: And what's a f- what's fun is they're gonna try and turn it into like high class mm-hmm. maybe still sleazy though yes but it, it makes a lot of sense and like adam mckay it's funny i, uh, I was talking to uh, my boyfriend while we were watching it and he was like you know it would make sense if if it, it would be a little nice if they could just turn down adam mckay's shit to like 20 percent <laughs> mm-hmm. uh like down 20 percent because like the editing and stuff yeah and i was like yeah i don't even mind it anymore i don't even the, mind. by the end of the episode when the when jack the coach is like literally levitating and like all the plays are floating around yeah. him i was like but then you wouldn't get this you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get you wouldn't get that because you know that's I, what Adam, you got to take the good with the bad with him.
2: What's crazy is like, I actually like his weird editing. Though.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. You, I you, actually you're, uh... like,
2: I mean, maybe it's just because I like the show so much that I'm like willing to forgive it, but I'm like more than forgiving it. I'm straight up. Like I, I am almost at the point. I want to see like one or two more episodes to really nail down this idea, but I do actually feel like the intent of doing that jarring editing is to call attention to moments that, like, you're supposed to be paying attention to mm-hmm. to make sure that you hear this dialogue because, like, it's very easy to, like, zone out and miss an important thing. And I think that by, like, doing these weird things where, like, it goes over unrelated footage for a second yeah, to yeah. make you be like, wait, is the audio out of sync? Ah, oh, you got me again, that Adam. And he said, I heard what he said. And, and, and you hear <laughs> what he said. Yeah, exactly. It makes you pay attention for a second to be like, wait, what the fuck's happening?
1: <laughs> right.
2: Um... So I want to see one or two more episodes before I like fully nail down that theory but I think that that's what's happening. The other thing I watched this week.
1: Oh yeah, it's a great show.
2: It's a great show. you simply must watch it at and home. I really hope- I want to make sure people watch it because otherwise they're not gonna make more of it and I'm gonna be very upset if they don't.
1: I really hope. That it stays at this glacial pace mm-hmm. and we get five seasons.
2: I want twenty.
1: I well, I want as many seasons as like honestly. I want I, to go
2: as long as the Simpsons.
1: I, <laughs> I want as many seasons as there were the rivalry between the Celtics and the Lakers. Yeah, like I want the whole six hour thirty for thirty. Like each each basketball season being a, a full season. Yeah, like watch Magic grow up and Larry Bird and them having a... They win and then they lose and then they win and they win and then they lose and they win. You know, like... Yeah. That whole rivalry, like, all the I way mean, through I mean, they the open 90s. on Magic
2: getting HIV. So, I mean, we know that at the very least the story's going that far. The pace of it is is up for debate, I suppose.
1: Right. I'm afraid they're gonna, like... I'm afraid they're gonna, like, maybe go another season and, like, zip around and, like... I don't know. But right now... It's been what, four episodes and, and we're haven't just even, at training we haven't even we haven't even gotten to the first season with magic. So yeah. I'm really happy with the pacing right now. Yes. Um Adam McKay, please listen to this episode. <laughs> You're doing a great job. You're doing great. Please You
2: direct basketball very well.
1: He, he loves basketball. If you
2: if you do anything else in your life, just direct more basketball stuff because you really do a very good job. Mm-hmm.
1: Like this whole I didn't know he was even gonna go into that angle of like how Jack sort of like had this weird like idea and how Pat Riley is going to start dealing with it. And yeah. I, it's all really interesting. It's
2: very interesting too, because it's like, it, it's such a like duh sort of a thing now where yeah, you're like, go faster. Yeah. Go faster. Play more in the transition, like be quicker on the counter attack. Like it's, it's stuff that Don't like wait. in modern sport is like so humdrum that you're like, yeah, of course you counter attack all the time. If you can, obviously, <laughs>
1: Right, and but it's the funny, idea that
2: at the time it's like it, it's kind of like when you hear about the Revolutionary War and like how the Americans were able to like beat the British so much because the British were still like marching in in formation and the the <laughs> Americans were like up in the trees just shooting them,
1: <laughs> like run, you idiot! Yeah,
2: what are you doing? Uh, right, <laughs> you wear red, it sticks out.
1: <laughs> Bill Cosby, um, you remember that Bill Cosby no. bit? Oh, he has that whole long bit about the Revolutionary War. He's oh. like. <laughs> we'll wear brown and hide in the rocks and trees and everywhere and you will wear red and march in a straight line <laughs> Um. anyway it's a good show please watch it please, watch please tweet it. about it
2: I want them to make more
1: at Adam McKay and us and say uh, this is the best show it's and the best show I heard, I about, heard about it, about it on J- the Generationalist <laughs>
2: podcast Adam McKay hire them as, as consultants yeah. or something come on the show or come on the show I don't really care <laughs> whatever
1: <laughs> whatever uh, anyway
2: Oh, the other thing I other watched. Other thing this you week. watched. Um, so I, um, I got to thinking about the movie Kick Ass.
1: Okay, um,
2: with Nick Cage. With Nick Cage, and uh, I decided I wanted to watch it again, so I did. And um,
1: how's that hold up?
2: <laughs> it actually holds up okay. Okay. Um, I think that what I came out of it thinking is number one, it is the best Spider-Man movie. <laughs>
1: Okay. Sure. Did you um, watch the other Spider Man movies? No. Okay. <laughs> I've
2: seen a bunch of them though, and I have to say I, I mean listen, I, I don't know for sure. But I I, I will say that Kick Ass is a very good Spider Man movie, mm-hmm. even without Spider Man being in it. Because sure. Kick Ass, the whole premise of it is, you know. He's, like, a kid who decides to become a, a superhero. He doesn't have superpowers. He he <laughs> just has, like, batons that he beats people up with. I guess he, like, gets, like, nerve damage that, like, makes him unable to, like, feel pain anymore or whatever. Oh, but right, like, yeah. But they forget about that halfway through the movie, and it doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> he Does he really never feel pain? He, I feel like he does feel pain. Like, there's multiple moments where he's like, ow, or gets yeah, knocked yeah, yeah, definitely. out or Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. That's what I mean is, like, halfway through the movie, they forget that he doesn't feel pain anymore, <laughs> and then they also have him get a girlfriend, and they fuck all the time, and you're like, well, if he had nerve damage, wouldn't he, like, not come or <laughs> right. something? Or like, not feel anything. He yeah. can't get
1: hard, and his dick doesn't work.
2: Yeah, uh, but it doesn't matter. It, it, who cares? The point is, the thing that's great in the Spider-Man context is... They do a really really good job of of him balancing his regular life and his superhero life. And more specifically, like the thing that I always feel like Spider-Man is preoccupied with is like time and like how much time and effort it takes to be Spider-Man versus his real life. So like in Spider-Man 2, for example, he's like unable to hold down a job oh, because yeah. he's always being Spider-Man and Piece he can't work. <laughs> and he's like failing out of school and whatever. This Kickass does a really good job because there's a there's a part of the the movie where he gets a girlfriend and they start fucking regularly
1: mm-hmm. and
2: he's like yeah and then I just didn't want to be Kickass anymore
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like whoa, what's the point of
2: uh, I, I I guess being I just like superhero. don't actually care about that very much anymore and I. I I think that that's such a missing element of the Spider-Man formula. Of
1: a teenager just being flaky and yeah, exactly. like not and, having... And,
2: and, and, and finding something else that interests him and, and just being like, and I guess I just didn't do Spider-Man shit for a little while and yeah, whatever. <laughs> like Doc Ock can, like, I guess, just do whatever he I'm wants. Sure I'm
1: sure someone I'm, will figure it out without I'm, me. I'm
2: busy getting pussy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting pussy off Mary Jane. I actually don't really care about what the rhino dude is doing. Right. <laughs>
1: Which is, I think, it should be more of a thing because it's like- There should be more sex in Spider-Man well, yeah, because he's a
2: teenager. He should be jacking off all the time.
1: Absolutely.
2: Does, does, do they ever do that? In the, of course they don't. In the Tom Holland ones- They uh, do a little. A little?
1: A little. A little more than you'd expect. Really? Um, yeah, there's like jerking off jokes and mm-hmm. like um, like in this new one. like. Um,
2: I know they said that him and Zendaya are like, we don't fuck- it would be weird in Spider Man if we fuck. They did. They like they as actors came out and said it would be weird if like there was sex in Spider Man.
1: Oh yeah. Well, there is an actual fucking like. Uh-huh. There's not a sex scene. Um, but I don't think that is would it be weird that they fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there in the new one, there's um, what's the fucking lady's name? His aunt, marissa uh, Marissa Tomei, like walks in on him and he's like base he's like only in boxers and like uh-huh. she's like helping him do something and she's like oh I'm sorry she's like use a condom and then like no no it wasn't she's like it's fine i don't care
2: <laughs> but uh, were like, they actually no they weren't oh th- that's the thing right is it's like yeah. you can joke about they it. they
1: can joke about it and they're teenagers and but they they're do teenagers
2: and they're in a relationship like uh, she should it's... be like sucking him off at least <laughs> like that that's, yeah, of that's course. what would be happening in real life
1: yes of course
2: um, and it would be much funnier if that sequence was actually them hooking up. Like this is the thing, right? Is it's like the thing that would make a Spider-Man movie actually good?
1: Is if it was kids? <laughs> is if they were
2: actually like, if they were actually acting like teenagers and like, you know, she was like, you know, beating him off or whatever, and like, and and and, <laughs> you know, Marissa Tomei comes in and they like put the yeah. pillow in front of them. and she's like, hey, we were just hanging out with this pillow here, you <laughs> just know, I've normal about, pillow. Stuff. I've always thought
1: about like this is the Spider-Man. The gesture is like Brin is doing the
2: the fingering thing right I, now yeah. yeah
1: you know you it is your, kind of
2: like the spider-man gesture yes yeah
1: I mean some people do two with their front pointer and middle finger right. but I've always but those liked the spider, the, those the, style. yeah
2: those are not the longest ones
1: they're not the longest ones and it's easier to get your thumb involved exactly yes. you, yeah it's
2: a much it's a much better spider-man style is the way you should be yes. fingering folks at home <laughs> <laughs> by the way winning time i did not know that you could show that much fingering of vagina
1: <laughs> yeah lots of fucking lots sex lots of lots I mean, of it's, it's HBO. close up i'm but i mean it's like the home box office but
2: even for hbo that was like the it's
1: p- pussy on a the lot screen. of pussy on yeah. screen yeah <laughs> watch winning time watch winning time anyway kick-ass holds. kick-ass
2: holds up uh, Wait, how
1: does that movie end like, does he get... He he loses his girlfriend, right?
2: No, no, no. no. They're still together at the end. Oh, really? Um, at uh, the end of the... Cage dies and his little daughter, who he, like, abuses into being a murderer. Hit girl. It's That's the thing that didn't hold up for me was how much of it was just, like, murder. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> by the end of the movie, you're like, I don't know that you guys are better than the mafia dudes that oh, you're yeah. killing and whatever. Like, they sell cocaine. Like, I guess that sucks. But, like, you guys are... Ending the dozens of <laughs> lives. <laughs> and the movie like doesn't even remotely want you to think that it's uncool. No, they
1: think it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the comic book, he like... like he, I guess he lied to her about being kick-ass or something. For whatever He does, reason. yeah. He
2: lies to her about being gay for a while. Oh, right, right, right. And he pretends to be gay. And then at some point, he's like, hey, by the way, I'm not gay and also I'm kick-ass. And she's like, all right, well, I'm mad at you for half a second okay let's have sex now oh
1: right in the comic book i can't remember why but they end up breaking up and then he she like fucks the like bully or whatever the from the beginning of the comic book i don't know i can't remember it's It's, uh, the comic's pretty different but he like there's a
2: second movie so i mean they might have gotten into that later she like
1: texts him a picture of getting fucked by the guy nice. and then it like ends with him crying and jerking off to the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. It's a pretty good comic.
2: Nice. All right. Yeah, the movie's all right. It holds up. The oh, wait, the one thing I did want to say uh is I've never seen a movie in my life that like so spectacularly fails at being set in New York. <laughs>
1: Oh, is it's it fascinating? I remember yeah, being it's, like the suburbs or something. It is
2: so it's supposed to be in Staten Island. Oh, and they they you know all the cops are NYPD and they like the the big bosses like his office is in like the MetLife Building or some shit like that. Okay, it's like in like there are New York City landmarks, but every time you see one, you're like, wait, this is supposed to be in New York <laughs> because it doesn't feel like it. Otherwise, they they fail so miserably at <laughs> setting it in new york
1: why is because it it like it's filmed
2: no, in toronto oh, it's, of course. it's not yeah, new yeah, york yeah. at all and it doesn't look like it and it never looks like it and then randomly they'll be like by the way it's new york
1: that's one of my favorite things about uh the x files mm-hmm. the x files is supposed to be you know dc and it is toronto <laughs> it's supposed to be DC. Or no sorry it's vancouver um it is yeah because they're that the fbi headquarters right they're supposed to be in in washington
2: at quantico or whatever right right
1: and uh it is clearly very clearly canada
2: (laughs) yeah dude it's it's so funny when when movies and tv do that anyway what what did you watch this week
1: oh um let's see what did i watch this week uh well one thing i wanted to mention since we're talking about sports and really good sports content okay uh john boy's secret base um you know john boy's no really uh john boys is a youtuber i guess but sort of like higher tier because he was like working for sb nation mm-hmm. and like he started making these like really long complicated very interesting sports documentaries uh for on his personal channel and then on sb nation mm-hmm. and then that gotten taken over by the I think him, uh, and changed their name to Secret Base. Um, Okay. And uh, really fun, really good. He used to do this series called Pretty Good, which was like stories that are pretty good. And um, he did this really, really insane one called like 17,421 or whatever that was like what if football was played on the entire world or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It was like uh, this one is just the story of a pitcher F- named Dave steep, who uh is one of the most unlikely stories in baseball. It's just a very strange story about a guy who had never been a pitcher and then like at twenty one like started learning how to be a pitcher and became one of the best but most underrated pitchers mm-hmm. and it's like four hours long um and it's really fascinating hmm um a guy who was very competitive and kind of an asshole and wrote this um autobiography while he was playing called tomorrow i'll be perfect Uh uh-huh uh uh, before he was retired who did he play for it is skipping my brain right now why can't they say it all the time yankees no mets no dave who else Steve. he it's not a
2: what are some other teams?
1: He also played. I think Brewers, B- Blue Jays, Blue Jays. Okay, yeah. I think he he uh, is one of the only people who played for as long as he did for the same team, mm-hmm. and he just like it's about his like mentality shifting over the years from like being like the best to like winning okay. because he kept. <laughs> What's crazy is he kept doing almost no hitters. Like, he was pitching games where no one would score runs. Right. Like, he was – but, th- they, like, they're – as a team, they're w- – they were mid. You know, like, they weren't right. winning the World Series or whatever. So, like, he wanted to be the best pitcher, and then, it, like, how he becomes – like, start, starts to get to go over himself and, like, being like, well, I've lost all of – he's, like, three different times he tries to do a no-hitter and then fails, mm-hmm. um, which is – very unlikely. And that's when he writes that tomorrow will be perfect or whatever. And then, uh, like, we want to just win. And then, like, gets even closer to that. It's very strange. Um, but the way he tells stories is, like, he makes these weird CGI charts. And then, like, zooms in and out of them. Mm-hmm. And, like, zooms in on, like, newspapers. And, like, that sits there in the field like a video game. And so he, like, builds out this weird, like, you know, red string insane diagram like in cgi right (laughs) and that's like how the videos are um so he'll be like here's the percentage possibilities of this happening and it'll be like a little building you know and then they'll like zoom around that and stuff Mm -hmm. very weird stuff but uh really entertaining really fascinating the last one they did was like a 10 year history of the marlins and it was so in depth that I couldn't pay attention to it.
2: Yeah, when did they stop being they they're the Miami Marlins now, right?
1: I don't know. I guess so.
2: They used to be the Florida Marlins. Florida Marlins, yeah. But they're like the Miami Marlins now.
1: Th- that one I didn't watch all the way through because it was like so crunchy. Sometimes he gets a little too like yeah. number crunchy. In the past he's done really like really interesting just like little stories. Like he did this one called Why Do I Choose to Do This for a Living? And it's just about it's like a 20 minute video about professional poker mm-hmm. and it's just like a couple little stories of really interesting characters in poker. And there's one about this guy who like staged one of the biggest strikes in in, in uh, MLB history, really interesting stuff. But then they started getting longer and more, more crunchy and statistical. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is sort of both where it's a single guy, really interesting story, but it's also very number crunchy. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, there's only been three of four, so the next one comes out next week. But it's really good. Uh, I I recommend watching it. Nice. Real quick, I also saw. I also started this show that's on Netflix mm-hmm. called Arcane. Okay. Have you heard of this? No. It is so crazy looking that I had to watch it. It is like, I don't really. The story so far is pretty basic. It's like, these two sisters who's like parents were killed in some sort of like weird fascist war or whatever. And they live in some sort of like final fantasy ass city. Okay. uh, Where like royalty and like weird rich people live at the top and they live underground in some sort of weird pits. It's all like sort of cyberpunk steampunk level stuff. But the animation is so crazy. It looks like, it looks like, um, into the spider verse. You know, where it's like, it's CGI, yeah. but they do like the weird like stops. So it looks sort of almost like hand-drawn animation in places. Um, but it also has this like watercolor um, or like hand-painted feel to it, mm-hmm. to to the style. So instead of looking like traditional animation, that's like more CGI, it looks like painted animation that looks more CGI. Um and i just love looking at it yeah. um the story so far is like they have a gruff father figure who like protects them and they find these secret blue special magic things or whatever it doesn't seem super good it's also a i just realized a league of legends story Ugh. so i didn't really know that i've never Yuck. i've never played that so i can't speak to how good it is but i the animation is incredible. Like you must just at least watch a trailer because it All looks right. so good.
2: I'll watch a trailer.
1: The show isn't bad though. Like it, it's it's pretty like bog standard like so far sci-fi sort of. Uh, yeah. We're scrappy people who found a secret magic thing and like they have a little team of people. Um, so nothing special but animation very special mm-hmm. and I'm enjoying it so far. All right. So that's what I watched this week.
2: Nice. Well, let's get into our feature presentation. Our feature
1: presentation of-
2: I can't believe we've never said that before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you haven't ever said that. No one said that. No. Our feature presentation, which is a show, a second season- The second season of Extras. Of Extras, a show-
2: As well as the finale special.
1: Right, created by Ricky Gervais. Which I
2: certainly hope you watched. I did. Okay.
1: (laughs) It's on the list. I watched the show. Uh, what if I didn't? Like, what if I thought I did?
2: <laughs> Are you? Ju- I thought you. I was worried that you just watched the second season. You didn't second watch the
1: second season ends with him. Um, how does it end?
2: It ends with him kind of like shunning Maggie a little bit and starting to hang out with celebrities more. It does. Yeah, because it's when he starts hanging out with that talk show host a lot.
1: Talk show host.
2: He's like hanging out with the. Uh, he like goes on that one talk show with the dude who has like the little robot dog toy and whatever
1: robot dog toy,
2: oh my God, did you not watch this?
1: <laughs> I did watch it talk show host, I don't remember this part.
2: he goes on a talk show, and the dude is like he's like uh he's oh like, he you gives them a really good interview, yeah, and he's like, you gotta start hanging out with me and whatever and they start chilling and whatever and then Maggie's like, yeah, I guess you don't uh yeah, wanna yeah hang yeah. out anymore and 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 um.
1: I thought this happens in the Christmas special. It also
2: happens in the Christmas special. They really carried that plot over Mm -hmm. for the first section of it.
1: Yeah. So in the Christmas special, it's like much better looking, and his agent is working at the cell phone store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched it all.
2: Yeah. The the finale. Okay. So the finale is the one with Robert De Niro.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but he doesn't shun. It ends with them at the little cancer kids'. Room, yes uh-huh and they are like he's like i'm not bad i'm no but back. he's
2: like he's like starting to shun her more for the celebrity friends and then right. at the end he like kind of goes is back is bowie to her.
1: in the finale
2: no bowie's in the the beginning of the season
1: oh okay all right so extras season two yes it's like three hours long it's only six episodes and then it's christmas special
2: which is 90 minutes
1: yeah, I was way longer than I thought it was. Like This is a movie in and of itself. Yes. Um,
2: so if you recall, the plot of the first season is uh, Ricky Gervais plays a character called an- Andy Millman, mm-hmm. who is an extra, who is trying to become a real actor, who's also kind of pitching a sitcom around, uh, and at the end of the last season, he gets a big meeting at the BBC... And they agree to make his T V show and he's like, Oh damn, I'm gonna become a fucking T V show guy. Yeah. Ain't that something? And then the beginning of the season brings us Well
1: no, they do start making it uh in the first oh, season. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh,
2: and he gets in trouble for, for uh
1: saying homophobic homophobic stuff. things, yeah.
2: Uh which becomes another theme in this season, uh <laughs> in a much bigger and better way. Yeah but the season basically begins with him making the show
1: actually maybe the first
2: episode you actually see the show don't you
1: mm-hmm. i think it starts with the show being on the air and like you see them like filming it mm-hmm. oh no the first the ep- first season
2: they're blocking it because it's the episode where they start making him wear like the wig and the glasses and
1: keith can't hit his marks and he's yes. like try to direct it and stuff yeah. and right and so yeah they are basically just being like we want to make a broad comedy and he's like, I don't want it. I want to, this isn't what I wanted." He tries to quit in the first episode. In The right? first episode he
2: tries to quit the sitcom and they're like, well, okay, you can quit the sitcom, but you're basically going to fuck your career up. Completely. Yeah. You can go
1: back to being an extra, I guess. Yeah. Uh, fuck you. Which and and, and is also burn a,
2: your bridges in showbiz completely,
1: which is such an empty thread. I mean, he's there, the BBC. And I guess that's like, I don't really know how it works in Britain, but it's like, I don't know, maybe that would happen, but it's like getting, I don't know. I guess it's it works, I guess, but it's it felt weird that it's like they would just say that to him so plainly, mm-hmm. and then he would just be like, I guess. He's just always folding in right. the show. Um, yeah, so he they make this stupid show, which I don't... You know, it's funny because in America we get good shows from Britain, like mm-hmm. we get the best stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, assuming yeah. that there is something this shitty. There is, yes. But I have no idea what it is. But that's
2: the fascinating thing, right? Is it's like it, it probably works the same way the other way around, where they're like they don't see our schlock.
1: Right? Are they watching Two and a Half Men? or Yeah, whatever? exactly. Like,
2: like no, they're getting like our good shows, like HBO King of stuff, Queens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good sitcom. Um. Yeah, so that the, there's some but sort of made, show and it's he funny because
2: basically I, he wants to
1: make essentially he wants to make
2: The Office. Right. But he ends up making The American Office. Just kidding. <laughs> no, He's no, 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 making no. like Big Bang Theory. <laughs>
1: it's worse than that. I feel like it's worse than that. Yeah. Like this is a brand of comedy that only British people have. <laughs> that it's funny because I've seen it mocked on other British shows. Uh-huh. Uh, my favorite sketch my at this point probably second favorite co- sketch show of all time um that Mitchell and Webb look of course has uh Hennymore mm-hmm. uh which is like some silly thing where they all have catchphrases it's like it's just a sketch where it's like what if we made a stupid show right and it's like oh you misinterpreted my complicated directions to make it embarrassing Hennymore and he screams <laughs> Hennymore whatever right and I assume that that's also a type of show it's like you can kind of Draw a line, I assume, from from like Faulty Towers mm-hmm. to something worse, like people trying to make trying to like take what was good about Faulty Towers and then making it right. stupider and stupider.
2: Should I think of like, I mean, I guess like Family Matters would kind of be like this, like Absolutely. the old like '90s style of catchphrase based sitcoms, mm-hmm. and they bring it up a lot, also in like the critiques of his show everybody's like, yeah. this is so outdated. <laughs> like, this is not what TV is like anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's the thing. It's like, he he is extra season two broadly feels like, I, I honestly thought they were going to, I honestly thought that they could have ended this show with Ricky Gervais waking up Newhart style. Mm-hmm. in like a nightmare cold sweat of like oh what if my life had gone this way right um because it's just what he has realized like he have, was able to avoid and like what a lot of people go through trying to get their shows off the ground right um and like how people meddling and not having a spine and like how he's sort of trying to be like i guess empathetic to like how this stuff gets made mm-hmm um not doing a great job. <laughs> no, cause by I making that, like, Andy a uh, sort of loathsome character.
2: That's what I was gonna say is I think that to some degree he's being empathetic, but I think to another degree he's he's pointing out a different kind of cravenness in show business, right? Where like right. the character of Andy is like constantly banging this drum of like, I wanna make something that'll stand the test of time. I wanna make something that's like, you know, more Uh, evergreen and more important and more good but he's not making that show you know he's he's on the set he's able to steer the ship to some degree like they're making him wear the wig and the glasses but like he's writing the show I mean they never show the BBC guys ever interfere in the writing process
1: Uh, in the first season they do right because like the gay guys like he keeps trying to make it more broad and like yeah it's like
2: but but like I mean, he's like he's helping him guide the script, but I guess like I think that it's an intentional choice to have it be that like, for the most part, what we're seeing is them interfering at a at a sort of surface level and then Andy folding and making the show what he thinks they want. yeah, there are places where he could push back. There are places where he could make more of an impact, but he doesn't because he can't. And I think that in the finale, he kind of points that out to himself, where he's like, and i'm i'm the worst of all like i constantly talk about how i want to be like a serious actor but i don't fucking do it and i don't care about it and it's not actually what i want to do i really just want attention <laughs> because <laughs> right. like wh- when he gets the opportunity to be in a real play he fucking blows it on being like a weird homophobic guy like yeah. but even before that when he's talking about the play he's not talking about it as like i want to do serious acting because i i am an actor and i want to do it he says like you know like hollywood guys are always saying how like the theater was their first love and whatever and like he's he's always thinking of things in those terms
1: as how can i present myself as someone i'm not yeah Uh, okay so the so the main through line of this season is he's on the show and he hates it he's now famous and he hates it
2: he's famous and he's rich and the show is like like mysteriously really popular that's yeah yeah like one of my favorite things is that like He doesn't know anybody who likes the show, but it gets, like, six million views every week. Right, and
1: everyone... Well, he does. He, like, he's constantly bombarded with people who like the show, but he finds them stupid and annoying and beneath him, Mm -hmm. uh, and he wants to impress different people, uh, even though they're already inviting him into their world. You know, he's getting invited to these parties, but not enough. He's not getting respect from the people he wants to get respected from. Right. So it's him sort of just like, yeah, like you said, like a craven, a type of like self-hating cravenness of like, well, I have all this respect and fame and rich, but it's not the right kind. Yeah. And I want to, I want, I'm still not happy because he hates himself. Yeah. Um, And so it's mostly him trying to get better work, trying to leave the show and do, and parlay his fame and riches into something else. Um and in probably my least favorite thing in the show, uh a lot of it is his bad agent fucking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, seemingly never getting him any work. Um, and I get this is supposed to be like it's just a type of like awkward Ricky Gervais style humor. Right. But I find it in this context pretty annoying and unfunny. Um, where it's just like it feels like a cheat a little bit for him
2: to not be getting work because of
1: because of like an impossibly uninterested and like uh, uh incompetent agent uh, So
2: I I always thought this. I've seen this show a couple times. Yeah. Um and I always I would have agreed with you, but I think this viewing is the first time I caught this that in the Christmas special when he finally fires Stephen Merchant and hires the new hot shit fucking agent the first things that the agent presents to him are the same are the things, same things yeah. <laughs> that Stephen Merchant has presented to him. Yeah. And to that degree, you're like like, oh, no, Steven Merchant is kind of a jackass and he's kind of a bumbling fool and whatever. Yeah. But he's done exactly what the other agent does for him. <laughs> like he's he's the, the other agent doesn't get him anything good. Right. You know, like he gets the same shit because at the end of the day he is still a fat middle-aged guy who has a shitty sitcom nobody likes.
1: Right, and in Hollywood, I mean, it's not Hollywood; it's Britain. Or Britain whatever, would <laughs> whatever in in that industry too. Like, you do have to do that stuff. Like, you, mm-hmm. you, like the the way he's the other agent sells it to him is correct. Like, yeah. I mean, you have to be seen. You have to be seen to be like able to be relied on and like. What can you do else like yeah. people have to see you doing that, so it's like that's true, but also in this season, like there's multiple things where like he gets offered a movie and the agent turns it down, oh yeah yeah, yeah. uh he you know, I guess he does get the like Lord of the Rings Harry Potter thing and then mm-hmm. fucks it up, um,
2: yeah, he does a good amount of fucking things up on his right. own too <laughs> um
1: but he he gets that d'artagnan movie or whatever and then like but he he's like gets offered it and the agent is like no i told him no because he wouldn't work i guess he does get the audition anyway and
2: then he he blows it because it doesn't work right
1: and then and then robert de niro <laughs> has a sit down with him but right. he doesn't he show blows up it to off, that yeah. um yeah i i don't know I, I hear what you're saying, but it like still felt really, I there's a certain level of like that cringe sort of awkward comedy that mm-hmm. just isn't funny to me. And I have to say, this season was significantly less funny to me. Really? Like I could say that there was, there was stuff that I recognized as jokes. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason I hate the British Office. Right, like I don't it's like. Just the it's it's it just too uncomfortable. it definitely
2: does crank that up a great deal in this yeah. season. Yeah, but there's also, I mean, I think like that the
1: play, the play thing, like when like,
2: he when he like blows it at the end because he won't kiss the guy, right? And like well, that hurts so much to watch. It's
1: <laughs> it's it's not funny to me. But because a it is uncomfortable, not funny. Like right. it's not a joke. It's just this guy's behaving poorly, mm-hmm. but also because he would never, even this character wouldn't do what he does. Like, he I don't de- agree. He doesn't like talk to the audience and be like, They told me not. Like he has. It's because I mean it's because the guys are
2: there. It's the it's he's embarrassed to be in front of these guys. I know, which I can relate to. Playhouse. I've I've told you this story before (laughs) about how I fucking blew a fuck. I I had a a. Oh
1: yeah, you did tell me. I had a manager,
2: a comedy manager who was really interested in me, and I blew it in front of him because of of who the front row of the show was. Right. I absolutely relate to this scene a hundred percent. But what I was going to say is that part's not funny. It's very cringe and it's supposed to be very cringe i don't think it's supposed to be funny at all the funniest part one of the biggest laughs i get in this show is still Ian to McKellen. this day <laughs> is no 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 no. before that when he's in the hallway with them and they're like yeah we're gonna come see your show and he's like he's like oh don't come see this bullshit it's fucking you know it's stupid bullshit i'm just doing it for the money and whatever and they're like yeah we all thought you were gay and he's like no nah, i'm not gay whatever why don't you get out of here and and he's like they're pointing at the gay guys and he's like i don't know those dudes and they're like hey good to see you <laughs> And he's yeah. like, oh, no, no, no. and then Bunny <laughs> comes up behind him. He's like, Bunny, how's the wife? Oh, we were living a lie. <laughs> 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 now I can have all the cock I want. Yeah. Yumma, yumma, yumma.
1: <laughs> no, there's funny parts in the show. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> him
2: air eating the cocks is so funny to
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> George Michael in this show is pretty funny, too. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, there's still funny parts. I just think that the stuff where. It doesn't feel like a written joke. Mm-hmm. It feels like let's behave as annoyingly as possible and make everybody uncomfortable stuff. I hate it. I don't think it's funny and it makes me annoyed. Yeah. Um and unfortunately there was a lot of this show that was like that. Mm-hmm. Um but there there was still stuff in this one that felt I was disappointed at the end of the second season for not feeling as emotionally poignant as the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. But I th- I did feel like the end of the Christmas special was even better. Yes, definitely. Um, I, think I, thought, I think that that's why
2: they... the second season ends the way it does is because they know that they're having the special to close sure. the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think at the end of the first season, they might have been like, I don't know. Yeah, might not it, get this renewed. might be the this end. This might be yeah. the end, yeah. Um, um, So I think that they kind of give themselves that out- a little bit
1: yeah because it, it it definitely has a sort of like empire strikes back ending where it's like nothing is really resolved where it's right. like i guess he kind of makes up to what's the girl's name again maggie maggie he kind of makes up to maggie but then she's like why would you do that this is stupid right this is you the, should
2: go meet robert de niro yeah i would
1: have forgiven you for this like it's a broader thing and then they go meet robert de niro anyway so it's like kind of a i guess quote unquote happy ending for everybody mm-hmm. uh but you don't even get to see that. And it's sort of like, oh, well, they kind of took the wind out of whatever that was supposed to be. Right. But then I think it, it works because of where it does go, which is so, like I said, the second season is all him sort of realizing he wants more out of his fame. He doesn't want to be in this stupid Henna Moore show with, when the whistle blows. Yeah. The catchphrase, uh family matter show. And, um, it ends with him like his giving his agent one last try to get him a Robert De Niro meeting and shaky ground with his best friend, Maggie. Yeah. Still doesn't have a girlfriend for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, that's a weird thing. Cause they smartly don't make Maggie and him have like a romantic thing. Nope, not they're even a friend, little bit. They're <laughs> friends and that's good, but he would be fucking. Or like, would he? Yeah, he would (laughs) like he's a fucking on like one of the biggest shows in television. Right. There's like that Patton Oswalt bet. He's like, I'm on basic cable. I get pussy. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Like. But I guess he like I mean he even when he's meeting with the with the big agent guy is like I don't want to fuck people. Uh, Like he's weird. He's it seems like he's just weird about women overall. I mean
1: that's my that's another thing I don't like about this season is that his character keeps shifting depending on what Ricky is trying to lampoon. Right. Yeah. And and it feels less of like this really small and cute story about these two people striving for success mm-hmm. and you know like the first season is so perfectly encapsulated and this tries to do something and I think hits in a lot of places and misses in a lot of places. Yeah. where he's trying to lampoon craven scum suckers but also big famous stars right and it like that character doesn't make much sense sometimes because he's at once like you said the biggest star in britain and also just some nobody that can't even get a table right and so it kind of feels but i guess they're kind of
2: they're kind of always pointing this out in the story right is like he keeps coming across people who were him at some point yeah and 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 I think that that's kind of... It, I feel like maybe if we were British, we'd catch more of this because there's stuff that like, there the, like there are people who had a big sitcom for a year or whatever who are yeah. like, yeah, I used to be able to get a seat at this restaurant and whatever. And I think that's kind of what he's trying to point out to us is like that Andy's fame is like, it is big and it is worth a lot of money, but it also is like on very shaky ground. <laughs> um, yeah. But so the, the Christmas special we we start with him getting a new agent basically like it it, it, he he's not happy with what darren's been doing for him the the toys aren't selling and whatever like all these little capers that darren comes up with they're they're not working so he fires him he gets a new agent um all the while like just neglecting maggie like crazy trying to just like chase fame in any form that he can get it um I'm trying to think of what was the catalyst for his his agent stopping answering the phone.
1: Oh, um, Doctor Who, I guess. He does Doctor Who, which is funny.
2: No, he does that later uh, after he confronts him. Oh,
1: really? Oh, yeah. Shit. I don't remember. I can't
2: remember now. But basically, I mean, it's like he gets this hot shit agent who tries to get him a bunch of stuff, but it doesn't work out.
1: Well no, it d- it's not that it doesn't work out. He he, he just declines. keeps turning stuff down. Yeah. He's like, "Do you want to do Big Brother?" He's like, "No. Do you want to like be seen at parties with these like hot models?" He's like, "No. Right. I want to do something important." But like and then so he like there's a whole like part of the special where he like is kind of in this crisis mode where he can't even get into the fancy restaurant or whatever. He right. confronts his agent and he's like why are you not calling me? And he's like, because I don't know what you want. Yeah. Like, Like, do
2: you want to be the big actor guy? Do you want to be the, the rich famous guy? You can't be both. You're not going to be both. Right. You've got to be one or the other. And he picks fame. And so he starts doing the, (laughs) in the most like pathetic little moment where he's just like rich and famous. Yeah.
1: I guess rich and famous. (laughs) Okay. When you put it that way. (laughs) So he does Dr. Who, which is annoying to me. Because that's not what Doctor Who looks like. <laughs> uh, they would at least have with the Doctor, with the David Tennant Doctor. They would have at least made him a CGI bug or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I guess they didn't have the budget, or maybe it's just funnier to have a little cut out of his yeah. face and the slug. Um. Oh yeah, because he's a slug, and they put salt on him. Right. Um. Lots he does. Of, he lots does of, a bunch of that sort of shit, and then he does Big Brother. He does
2: Celebrity Big Brother, and that's kind of where. It's where the special begins and ends is him on Celebrity Big Brother.
1: So what is Big Brother?
2: It's like a, I mean, it's like a, it's like Real World. Or it's something. like a Real World type of thing. It seems like, and um, so Celebrity Big Brother is like similar to uh, Dancing with the Stars, where it's like the people who they call stars or celebrities are like very Chaz bono exactly yeah it's like (laughs) uh, like sarah palin
1: (laughs) oh yeah some people you haven't thought about in five years
2: yeah the people who would say yes to something like this right um it's just people trying to keep the profile up and so his harem of people in the in the big brother house are like some like 60 year old tap dancer whose back keeps blowing out and like (laughs) A couple of people who were on like sitcoms and whatever and then a woman the best the funniest one is this (laughs) woman who just was in the news because her son was murdered
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is really funny there's all these weird like moments where she just like yeah my son was murdered i don't know i don't care i don't know why i'm here
2: and then they have to do like the funky chicken or something um yeah and then so like he keeps like having these moments in the big brother house where he's like i don't know what i'm doing here what the fuck is this this is so pathetic i hate this and then finally he just kind of like has this breakdown where he has this whole tearful monologue about how fucked up everybody in there is and then also how fucked up he is uh and and it is actually a very like genuine moment where he like turns yeah. it on like he's been like r- like going off on everybody in the house and and everybody in in showbiz and then he's like and and me i'm i'm the worst of all you know right. like i'm worse than any of you because i pretend that i'm a, i'm trying to be an artist or whatever but i'm not really right. like I, I i say that i want to make something that'll stand the test of time but like i don't fucking have it in me and i know i don't and i'm pathetic and and you know whatever and then he apologizes to maggie through the camera yeah and it's a really sweet that's moment. a great moment it's a I, really I, I really sweet like good moment, moment
1: uh and you know he's just like you know i'm sorry and then he answers the silly questions so she's always asking and it's really sweet it's a great time um (laughs) great time at the movies (laughs) and then he leaves but that like that whole like moment he steals the show yeah and has this big spotlight on him now and his agent is like great job we're gonna get you in dramas now like you're gonna get what you want and
2: he just fucks off,
1: and he fucks off, and he's he. There's gonna be a whole press conference where everyone has all, all these questions for him, but he like sneaks out the back and hangs out with Maggie, and they go to some other country, and yeah, that's the end of the show. Now, that part got me. Mm-hmm. Like it is emotionally a high point. It's 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 very good. It's well done. But the whole Big Brother thing, I have to say the parts of Ricky Gervais that later become obvious about him being an asshole (laughs) start to come out in the Christmas special. Definitely, yes. And my big problem with this whole Big Brother thing is that like, he keeps doing things where you have this character who you're now supposed to be like, this is kind of a redemption for him Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, he's really going to stop this time. Like, he's going to stop chasing fame. Apropos of nothing, we actually don't... I mean, I, I'll, I'll accept that this whole experience of being surrounded by other people chasing fame...
2: Is like a rock bottom Is a rock bomb
1: bottom for him. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to just go be with my friend. And he yeah. does. And that kind of works, but I feel like it's so the fact that he is Ricky Trevese and he has like actually done something interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now he is famous and has achieved this other thing that this character wishes he could do feels kind of weird to me. Do you know what I mean? It feels like, I
2: I disagree with you that I think that Andy Millman, the character would not be happy with Ricky Trevese's career. Why not? Because Ricky Gervais doesn't do serious dramas. Like, he does. Like, these shows stand the test of time. But what Andy Willman uh,
1: initially wanted to do was stuff that was important, that had a more, like, serious outlook. Mm -hmm. But it was still comedy, which is what Ricky Gervais did. Right. And then he didn't want to do, like... He was only later in the second season being like, I don't know, I want to do movies and stuff. Right. I want to be more seriously famous. Um but the original intention was to do the office basically right. which is what Ricky Gervais did and so now he has this fame where he's like I do serious important comedy um and then sort of like throws the other fame seekers under the bus do you know what i mean where it's like well they aren't they don't have this internal life where they struggle with that right they're just scum suckers who don't who are stupid (laughs) yeah i guess
2: i i see what you mean yeah
1: and i i don't have and you know like this character he he gets his redemption and then he gets to be rich and have previously been famous and then be with his friend but the other people they're gonna just like they they don't see that they don't see the hypocrisy or whatever and that felt kind of shallow and like Mm -hmm. a kind of unsatisfying ending to me because it's like I almost wish he had just stuck with Andy not learning anything. And then, like, it would have been a funnier and more sticking to his character if he didn't realize that that was going to up his, you know, be able to parlay that into drama and then go with it.
2: Yes. That is, I was thinking that this time, too, is that I think that the better ending would have been if he did go to the press conference. Yeah. And Maggie, and it cuts to Maggie outside of the car just waiting for him. <laughs> like, she still does her whole thing where she shows up because he talked to her. Yeah. And she's waiting in the parking lot for him and he just never comes. <laughs> right. That would have been the better ending. I, I agree with you.
1: Uh, yeah, because, I mean, that's the story he's telling about this guy who is, like... And it would have been more of an indictment of the system. Yeah. Of, like... Even if you try... Have you ever heard of a movie called So Fucking What? No. Um, it's a really bizarre, like, 90s movie. It's called SFW because they couldn't call it So Fucking sure. What. But it's about this guy who is, like, this kid. He's, like, a teenager, and he somehow gets, like, on the news or whatever and gives this sort of... S- it's basically network for, like, Gen X, <laughs> mm-hmm. but sort of a dumber. Doesn't have quite this as good of a take on the whole system. But it's basically this kid who's just like, yeah, none of this matters and, you know, so fucking what? And, like, basically, like...
2: Oh, and it becomes, like, a catchphrase. It becomes a catchphrase. I think you have talked about this before. It's like the there's a Black Mirror episode like this, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, at the end, he gets, like, they try to... Some, like, weird Christian lady, like, tries to assassinate him and, like, shoots him and says everything matters. And then she becomes the new, like, catchphrase lady where everything matters or whatever. And I think that is a more realistic commentary i mean a shallow commentary but on this sort of like fame it's at least more poignant of like okay your your public rally against fame made you more famous yeah and that's more of i think the point that extras is trying to make is that you can't get out of this like you can't just you can't just be like no i'm gonna leave you have to yeah and uh it felt more like a power fantasy for, for actual Ricky DeVace mm-hmm. where he's like, I wish I could just be like, okay, I'm done with all of this bullshit. I, I don't, I would take it, I would leave it if I could, but he can't.
2: <laughs> right. He has to do the Golden Globes a fifth time. You know, yeah. Like he has to, That's, like, the most pathetic thing about him, right, is that he keeps doing the Golden Globes (laughs) (laughs) as much as he, like, goes there and he's, like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, yeah. He still does it. He keeps going. He he shows up every time. Right.
1: It would be the more honest ending to be, like, yeah, and I want to be with you. And, like, you know, you could even have it, like, be an emotional thing where... He does like go out and get Maggie and then do the press conference with her. He's like, let's just do this together. And then he's like, yeah, now I'm like with my friend and we're going to yeah. both do this and like sort of drag her into this weird like fame monster machine. Right. Where he's like, now this is my best friend and we're going to do something together. And she's like, what? I didn't know about that.
2: I, I didn't ask for this.
1: Yes. Um,
2: One last thing that I want to bring up uh-huh. Um, the download that I had for this. Uh, had all the extra DVD shit and I'd never seen any of this. I've oh. seen the show a couple times. I'd never seen all the DVD extras and whatever. So I watched a couple of those things and I watched, there was a, um, uh, so are you familiar with like Ricky Gervais's like other shit, like the Carl Pilkington stuff mm-hmm. and whatever with like a, um, Idiot abroad, abroad and and the, the Ricky Gervais show. So the Carl podcast, Pilkington. I've seen
1: a lot of the animated podcast Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah.
2: So he had a little segment on the DVD where he did like a- uh, He's
1: in the, the special. He is, yeah. It's he like has a, a little, little, little
2: brief moment. Um, But he has a thing, a little feature called, quote, the real extras. <laughs> and um, it's him hanging out with the extras on extras. Mm-hmm. So the actual extras who are working on set, and it's him hanging out oh. and interviewing them about what it's like being an extra in real life. <laughs> and it is so funny. Is it? It's so good, because it's all just him just like being him and doing his... Is
1: Carl a comedian? No, he's just,
2: oh, he's just some just, like, guy. some dumb idiot who... he was. So the story goes that Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais met when they were both DJs at some radio station, yeah, uh, and Carl was like their producer. He like worked at the radio station, <laughs> and they were just so amused by how weird and stupid and strange he is that they were he's like, like,
1: he's not,
2: he's not stupid. He's they not, call him stupid, but he's he's not stupid at all. He just has a weird, funny way of thinking about things right. all the time. Well,
1: and especially a bad way of explaining what he's thinking yeah, about. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. sounds stupid.
2: Yeah, the one that I always think of is like, there's a great segment from the animated show. And I guess from their podcast where he's like, I, I never really know, like, am I in charge or is my brain in charge? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what do you what do you mean? Are you in, like you are your brain? And he's <laughs> like, no, but like, you know how like sometimes you're leaving the house and you like have to go to the store and like you forget, like you, you have like a couple things in your head that you have to get and then you forget the onion. And then like later on, your brain is like onion. and You're like, oh, thanks, brain. Like,
1: and they're like, onion. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, no,
2: you are your brain, (laughs) and it's like one of my favorite like ways of thinking about the brain I've ever heard. And (laughs) but you're like, but you're like, you're expressing this so poorly, and like, it's just incredible. So anyway, so the the real extras is him just hanging out with the extras, and it's mostly just him being like, this is such a pathetic way to live. Like, I can't believe like you're just this can't be good for people to be like sitting around all day like this waiting for someone to come and be like okay now we need you to stand in the back of this shot yeah and like he's talking to people about it he's like do you like find fulfillment in this and they're like no i just like it gets me out of the house and he's like all right i guess (laughs) that makes sense (laughs)
1: it's like yeah i like taking walks uh no yeah that sounds really good i will definitely be watching that uh was ricky actually ever doing extra work
2: I don't think so. Oh, he's just like, maybe I don't feels
1: know. bad for them or whatever.
2: I mean, it, it might have just been like a good it's like another... way into the story or something.
1: But that, I mean, the whole first season is just about being an extra right. and like trying to get acting work. And that is very good and feels I wouldn't like... be
2: surprised if it's like similar to like what it was like being a DJ, where he just oh. like worked at a radio station and like knew showbiz people peripherally. And so it was always kind of trying to pass his script along sure. to them. But I don't think he was. I I've never heard about him being an extra. At least, yeah.
1: Um, that's another thing that I thought was a little bit cheap in mm-hmm. this season was um when he's like some extra is like, hey, like, can I pass my thing on to you? Oh yeah. And, and he's then like, he's like,
2: he has him fired
1: insanely shitty to him. <laughs> it's like, when did he get this shitty? Like, he's he's in the first season. He's a selfish guy who. Yeah is nebbish and cowardly and you know that makes him an asshole but he's not like a vengeful like no I took it and that really felt like it came out of nowhere I took
2: it as him being just like so frustrated with the show and so over it that he just like He's like so shitty to everybody there that he's just like I I just like don't want to be here anymore. Like, yeah, no, I and know. And that happens but- when you're like so tired of a situation that you just start becoming like utterly toxic in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just that kind of character development they jump so much, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 one thing we haven't mentioned is that there's a lot of the fucking whistle show. Yes, and it's none of it is funny.
2: But it's funny. I I find it very funny <laughs> in how how well it nails down a bad sitcom and like the beats of a bad sitcom and like the things that would happen on this show. Like, but I think feels, that it's such a good, I don't know, man, I feels, disagree with you on this. I laugh so much at the whistle show because of how, the whistle show. because of how lived in and, and real it feels as a show.
1: I thought it, well, here, the, the problem is it's so broad mm-hmm. and it's, I don't know this type of British comedy, so I don't really know what to compare it to, but, what is also jarring is how vulgar it is like mm-hmm. every joke is about like oh that's like, true yeah we about, don't like, have that we don't have that and i don't know if that's for this show or that's how it is in britain but mm-hmm. like every joke is about like coming and, and right, fucking yeah. someone in the ass or whatever and it's like what is this <laughs> i <laughs> it feels like non. it feels like a kids show with like dick jokes right um and so i didn't find that funny and you know? i was just every time they went to it i was just like okay <laughs> Let's go. I get it. That it's supposed to be bad. It's supposed to be a stupid show. Right. But I found it unentertaining and not very funny. Um so that wasn't nice. But there was some incredibly funny moments. I'm I'm talking more down on it than I thought it was. I think it's pretty good. It's not as good as season one, yeah. But it has a lot of but good. But it has moments. a lot of.
2: It has a lot of high points.
1: There's some Steven Merchant stuff that was like I was crying laughing. Yeah. The like the fucking jerking off to the pen. Yes. Is incredible. <laughs> is so good.
2: <laughs> I love that so much. Them him and Barry talking about the muffin always makes me laugh so much. When he like ha- when he like calls him in, he's like Barry, I'm having the muffin, <laughs> and he like runs in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when Barry uh, tells him about like the the phone company giving him a better rate, and then after telling him, Andy fires him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's very that good when he really tells good. him
2: that he when he finds out that he's been doing uh, roofing, and he's like, he's like, I get ten percent of that. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's excellent. Uh, the-, the whole thing with Keith at the beginning in the first episode with Keith, like walking around, just like like saying the most like wildly like racist and homophobic oh, things. Yeah, and yeah. Ricky just having to be like, all right. Oh, Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure thing, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> The, uh, the stuff with the, the, all the cell phone store stuff, once they're working there, mm-hmm. uh, when he's like, Oh, you really were his manager. That's not very funny, but I liked all of that stuff. Yeah. That
2: stuff feels really good. Like that. I, th- I thought about a lot this time around too, where like they're showing kind of like, how much more enjoyable and fulfilling their life is at the car phone warehouse versus as andy's management
1: yeah yeah and and how and comparing that to andy being just like constantly stressed and scrubbing yeah. for like any like modicum of attention and stuff
2: yeah whereas like barry and steven are just like fucking like flipping the phone around being like madame <laughs> have a good phone day
1: <laughs> they dance to the mom calling yeah. him uh, it's also funny because I I was like, oh, are they gonna do like a Shaun of the Dead joke? And I just realized that's a store in Britain where they dress like that. <laughs> that's also in Shaun of the Dead. I was like, oh shit, because it's like they work at Best Buy and they're wearing blue. Right. And yeah. I was like, oh, whoops. Um, but it was my only touch point for that particular car uh, phone store. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's it's very funny. It's a it's a good show. It's still a good show. I think the second season. I I think the Christmas special movie thing is better than the second season
2: yes i agree
1: i think the second season has funny parts it's not as good as the first season it's worth watching though it's I, worth rec- watching. I recommend it as much as i re- recommend the first season i think the first season is just such a nice incredibly solid like every episode's funny every episode is is worth watching and then the end hits you with this very unexpected like emotional poignancy yeah. um This one's more up and down and I think has some whiffs, joke and tone wise, but I recommend it. Yeah,
2: I recommend it too.
1: Yeah. Great. Well, thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss. This has been Generation Loss. If you'd like to (laughs) hear more. You're
2: listening to Generation Generation
1: Loss. Loss. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss, where you will hear a bonus episode by every week. By the way, the week.
2: show is called Generation Loss. If
1: you weren't paying attention, the show is called Generation Loss with Brynn Ger- <laughs> Bryn Jeremy. It's the show, with It doesn't take
2: itself too seriously. <laughs>
1: so. uh, you go to patreon.com slash generation loss and get a bonus episode uh, every week.
2: That show is also called Generation Loss. Uh-huh.
1: Bonus episodes. Bonus episodes. And, uh, We've done so many at this point. Wow. Hundreds. Lots of episodes.
2: <laughs> and you can go back and listen to them and it'll feel normal.
1: Yeah, it won't be weird. It won't be weird to go back and listen to them. It will be them. a lot less weird if you listened to, say, my other show. Yeah,
2: if you were to go back and listen to Beep, Beep, Lettuce, that's deranged. Or Chapo Trap House. Or Chapo that Trap House. That would be House. weird
1: because it's news based. This it's is weird. The it is news, news based
2: but you, you'll be fine
1: there's a lot more personal conversation there's and more topics. to it there's more to it than that's the news. okay
2: so so the main show is the show about movies that doesn't take itself too seriously <laughs> and then the other one is the show about movie news but there's more to it jeremy's
1: brain has been eaten by our extras and now everything has to have a catchphrase
2: <laughs> there's more to it than there's that. more to it there's more to it
1: than that <laughs> there's more to it than that <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah, and there is more to it than that because you'll get uh Discord benefits. You can hang out with us in Discord and uh we'll watch the show together that we're going to s- or movie or show. Or movie. The movie that we're gonna watch um on Monday. Anyway, that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we shall see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>